0: You're listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay, a podcast that empowers financial brand marketing, sales, and leadership teams to maximize their digital growth potential by generating 10 times more loans and deposits. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insights Series, where James Robert Lay interviews the industry's top marketing, sales, and fintech leaders, sharing practical wisdom to exponentially elevate you and your team. Let's get into the show.
1: Greetings and hello. I am James Robert Lay and welcome to the 180th episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series, and I'm excited to welcome Patty Mara to the show. Patty is the author of Up Solutions, turning your teams into heroes and customers into raving fans, where she shares a simple formula that will empower your financial brand or fintech to increase profit team engagement, and customer loyalty. Welcome to the show, Patty. It is so good to share time with you today.
2: Well, thank you so much, James Robert. I'm looking forward to our conversation.
1: I am too. And before we talk up solutions, what's going well for you? What is good personally or professionally? It is always your pick to get started here.
2: Well, great. Well, it's interesting. I I think we're in you know, certainly we're in challenging times, you know, in North America, the last two years have been crisis after crisis, after crisis, after crisis. And so I'd say we're in challenging times and I think we're in the biggest opportunity of our lifetime. Yes. And if we're paying attention to, you know, what's our market, what do they need now? Cause it's changed in the last two years. How do you create value for them? I think we have, the opportunity right now is the most exciting and I think the, the, the most important time to future forward your business than we've had and will experience in our lifetime. So what's going for me right now, I, you know, launched a, a team out of, I used to travel a lot for, you know, team training and working with entrepreneurs all over North America mostly, and it's all shifted into working virtually and that caused me to create programs that I'm loving and are just starting to explode. So yes exciting times.
1: It really is. And I think it's this idea of it's, they are challenging times for sure. We, we can't deny that. But I think a lot of it is we have to be aware of just how we're feeling, how we're processing this and and be as positive as we can possibly be because we can be the light in someone else's darkness we can be the rock that someone else can cling to and that's what this idea of leadership is all about um I mean, I even think about banking and and financial services, and all of the challenges that we've seen here. and And let's get into it. I mean, because this this is this is why you wrote this book, Up Solutions. Um, it's a great read, uh, and and I read a lot. Uh, but as a fellow author, I always like to ask why? Why write this book in the first place? Because I know how challenging it is. Number one, to write the book, and then number two. You launched this at a very interesting time as well.
2: Well, the interesting time that it was launched wasn't planned.
1: <laughs> no, of course not.
2: <laughs> we were talking, you know, the book was published in the end of January 2020. And then, of course, March was the whole market changed. <laughs> well,
1: I am and I'm right there with you because my book published uh, was scheduled to publish in April of 2020. Wow. And we're we are literally having this conversation because of the pandemic. Like this podcast has been a gift that has come out of the pandemic. So why, why write the book to begin with?
2: Oh, I love the question. Cause um, I would say it was a 10 year labor of love. I, when I talk about who I am and what I do, I, I would say I'm a passionate advocate for locally owned businesses. I think they're the cornerstone of communities. They bring diversity and interest. And to a large extent, they're being displaced. Yes. Right? Amazon, Walmart, right? They're national chains. And, and you know, listen, I, do a, I work with a lot of brick and mortar businesses. And I think we're in a renaissance. Mm. I think brick and mortar are going to become more relevant. And, and to that end, you're watching Amazon open brick and mortar stores. You're watching brands that were launched completely online, virtually like All Bird's opening brick and mortar stores. Right. So there's that still that connection, that touch and feel. Yep. So I think we're in a Renaissance and yet how they need to operate is very different, Mm. right? Every business needs to have a hybrid, uh, consumers. If, if you're, you know, your audience are banks, but if your business is, is B two C and you're in the consumer or customer marketplace, then, most customers today want to shop from home and have it delivered to our home. And, you know, even if you're a passionate advocate for locally owned businesses, you're no, nobody wants to drive around to see what you've got. Yes. So businesses need to be, and yet... They're the lifeblood of our community. I think they're going to be what brings us out of this. Yes. They're healthy businesses.
1: Well, and that to me is why this is such an important conversation, because to your point about small, locally owned businesses being the backbone of the community, the backbone of the local economy, community financial brands, whether that be a community bank or a a credit union, it goes hand in hand together and particularly here in the United States we see who really stepped up to help provide support through for example like the PPP lending program it was the community institutions and you know i often liken financial services to healthcare because in fact the research will show a person's physical uh, well-being and their mental well-being is is closely correlated to their their financial well-being and one of the stories that you opened up the book with it 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 really resonated with me it was was a story about chris chris is a pharmacist and i appreciated the story because i often teach and coach financial brands to think about writing prescriptions to to cure people's financial pain points. And and when I read the story about Chris, it, it, it sounded like there there might be something similar here that I see with financial brands, what I call a product first problem. You noted this with Chris's story. Can you expand upon where, where Chris was thinking about the product versus the, the solution, or back to your, your previous point, the value being created here? If, if we could dig into that, I think that would be really interesting.
2: Okay, great. I love it. It's actually, it's one of the pieces I find that most business owners, I like to say they're playing the wrong game of business, right? Most business owners and teams, and that's crucial teams. Cause if your team doesn't know what you're really selling the, what your business really is, they're not delivering it. Yes. So your business is the value you create to your marketplace. Why do customers choose you? Mm. Why do they come back? And and you, you almost flip it. Your, your What you sell, your products and services are the vehicle yes. for how you create that value, right? It's like if you sell TVs, pe- why are people buying TVs? And what's your niche that you do that nobody else does or you do better than everyone else? If you don't do that, then you're going to be commoditized. It'll all be about price. Right. But if you help people live better lives, make better decisions, have better outcomes, then that's really the magic in your business, and that's Chris's. You know, Chris Chris Cornelison, and, and and he's a he's a brilliant pharmacist. So one of his pieces, he was he's passionate about his patients, and um, you know, there are a lot of disease states that people get medication for. Let's take diabetes because it's a great example. And if you're on medication for diabetes, then you're going to be dealing with nutrient depletion. Mm. There are certain nutrients that these medications cause to be depleted in your body. You must supplement. Yep. But if the pharmacy team who are actually having the contact with the patients every day, if they're not saying, well, you miss a Smith, I notice you're on this medication and this medication causes your body to to need more calcium. And, and the pharmacist recommends this, can I give you more information on this? Mm. Right. And so, but if if they're not doing that, they're ripping people off. Yes. They're not creating outcomes. And here's the other piece. Most very few people like to sell, even salespeople don't really like to sell. There's just something they get out of doing it. They have to have a good structure to do it. So, but people love, to be problem solvers and create value.
3: Yes, well, that's so if what, you turn, yeah, turn your
2: team into problem solvers.
1: Yeah, and and that's one of the big things that I, I I recommend for financial brands: help first, sell second. Because back to your point, helping. It's so easy. It's human nature. We 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 tend to want to help, but then when we're asked to sell, there's some type of like magical shield that pops up on both sides of that conversation, and it gets a little bit uncomfortable. I want to come back to your point of the the, the pharmacist here because you mentioned something about like as business owners, as entrepreneurs, even as financial brand leaders. It's a matter of perception. And I see this trickling down from the top all the way to the front line. When we do a diagnostic study for a financial brand, one of the very first questions that we ask, and we typically get a good sampling of of just their internal team members, starting at the top and then working our way down. Why should I open an account at your bank or your credit union? 90, 95% of the responses are because we have these great products, we have these amazing services, and we have some really, really good rates. And I'm like, yeah, everyone else just said the exact same thing. Tell me something that matters to me. What's important to me? And that's where I see is one of the biggest opportunities to transform that thinking beyond the product back into cures, prescriptions, pain, gain, all of that that stuff there. And so I'm curious, you note in the book that customers are a gold mine for independent businesses, independent firms, and and, and independent, I see community banks, I see credit unions. And and you experienced this firsthand when you were working at a small bookstore in the mall uh, to put your way through college. You helped to double the revenue there. What happened to make that Exponential growth a reality. How do customers play into this? Because now we're moving from internal to external.
2: Yes. Well, and the byline of my book is turning team into teams into heroes and customers into raving fans.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: If you want raving fans your teams need to be set up to win. Beautiful. How are they heroes? How are they your brand ambassadors? You need to know what the brand is, which is that value. But then how are they, and are they set up to be your brand ambassadors? Um, and when you talked about James Robert is my origin story, if you will. And, and it was a nondescript. It was a chain bookstore in a mall. And, but I had a really good manager. And the manager was, anyone who walks in, it was simple, very, very simple. Anyone who walks in the store you're to stop what you're doing and say thank you know welcome can i help you find anything are you looking for anything if they wanted simple stuff simple simple stuff right simple engaging yeah if if they wanted something specific you took them to the section you put the book in their hand again not it's aisle three (laughs) right yeah and then then the, the other piece was if we didn't have it We looked to see, is there something else we could recommend or could we order it? And we weren't allowed to, this was a small bookstore, but I have to tell you, I would say about 20% of our sales were special order because we did it. Right. Right. So when a customer, we had a sign on the, the back stockroom door that whatever's going on in your life is important, but leave it back here out there is all about the customer. Yes. So it was fun. Shifts went by fast. Um, we had very, most of the staff were students, we had very little turnover and regularly customers came back and said, I just want to say that we've been in almost every store in this mall. And this is the only one that someone said, welcome. And we just wanted to say, thank you. Simple. Simple. So that, that little bookstore, again, this is the late eighties was projected to do 500,000 gross revenue that year. And we did just over a million.
1: Yeah. It shows how the simple things can add up to the really big things. And I think back to one of my very first jobs that really shaped me was working for Old Navy, the retailer. Mm -hmm. And very similar to the training that, that you just shared, it was very simple. When someone walks in the door, you walk up, you greet them, you give them a blue bag, you offer to walk them around the store and shop with them. I kid you not. Old Navy was just coming into the Houston market. This was the late 1990s, early 2000s. It was just coming into the Houston market. This is one of the very first stores in the Houston market. And I was the second round of hires. We were the number one selling Old Navy in the entire country. For wow. three years straight, I was on a team that we went and we opened up other old navies in Houston, and it was just very simple. And now, you know, flash forward 20 plus years later to get someone to say hello to you is almost impossible. And this to me is one of the greatest opportunities here to take a, particularly in financial services, to take a proactive stance. In a person's life, don't wait for them to come up to you and say, Hey, I have a problem because in banking by that time it might be a little too late. And that's where I want to come back to the story of Chris, because one of the pains that you noted in Chris's story was the commoditization of prescriptions. Now we're seeing commoditization in almost every single vertical. It's very clear in financial services. And when thump, something gets commoditized, that really puts a lot of downward press, pressure on the pricing structure. And Walmart, you noted Walmart, Walmart advertises prescriptions for $4, but th- but that's only half the story, because I, I think it goes beyond that, because competing on, on, on price is a path towards the bottom. What are the opportunities in your mind to go beyond positioning around price, in financial services and really go beyond positioning around what we would see as is, is rate or even service for that that matter where's where are some opportunities that we can expand the dear listener's mind here
2: yeah i love it so you just i think this is like one of the cornerstone questions and i'm going to answer it a, cu- a couple of ways so first of all i want everyone to consider that your customers don't know the questions to ask to make an effective buying decision yes Okay. So that's the first piece. If you actually start paying attention from the customer's mindset, from the customer's perspective, it's really important. We all assume everyone knows what we know. If anyone who's worked in your, in, you know, whatever, whoever the business is, if they've worked in the business for three months or more, they are an expert compared to the customer.
1: The curse of knowledge.
2: Curse of knowledge. So we assume they know. And so this is where we're ripping them off because they don't and we're not educating. I mean, every regardless if you're in a bank or on a pharmacy, you're, every team member's job is to educate and offer. Yes. Because customers don't know when they're being ripped off. And if they don't know, if they don't have the information, they don't even know the questions to ask, then the only information they can make a decision on is price. Mm-hmm. And then we're commoditized. Right. Right. So, you know, with pharmacy, and it's the reason I work with pharmacy, because it's almost like the pharmacy industry. And you can say about banking, if this is true, but pharmacy in the States in particular has almost got an unfair market. Yeah. Right. I mean, they have to compete directly with their, their, they have to submit their patient data to their competitor. Yes. Right. Because the pharmacy benefit managers are owned by the insurance companies, which are owned by the chains. Right. Right. Really just follow the math, right? So so and um, the reimbursements are being cut. They're getting back end fees like DIR fees that yep. just you know it could be a million dollars a year in back end clawbacks when they already weren't getting paid more than the much more than the wholesale costs. Right. right. So so if a pharmacy thinks their business is dispensing medication, they are going out of business. Hmm. Okay. Now if a pharmacy thinks that their business is helping. It could be families with young children. It could be, you know, diabetes. It could be helping employers in the community have healthy, productive, you know, workforce. What's their, what's their focus? What's their passion? How do they make a difference in their community? And their prescriptions are just part of how they do it. Yes. Same for banking. Yes. It's Exactly the same for banking. What's their focus? I, I, I talked to, it was actually, this is probably 15 years ago, um, and it was a, a, um, an entrepreneurial bank. I think they were based in Georgia. Um, so the owner of this entrepreneurial bank, they really focused on working with local community entrepreneurial businesses.
1: And this and, area, real fast, I'm going to cut in real fast, the, this area of, of local community institutions empowering small businesses is one of the greatest growth opportunities. I've done a lot of thought leadership around this, which is where I'm I'm getting really excited. So so continue, because it really is, I think, something that the dear listener can cue in and take notes on.
2: Yeah, James Robert, I think you're queuing into something pivotally important because we're Businesses are being underserved, underappreciated, and don't have access to the cash they need to grow from national chains. They're not being looked after. It's huge. I think this, in order for community businesses to flourish, they need what you're talking about.
1: Walgreens walmart cvs is to bank of america wells in the north of the border td bmo etc and so this is where i think this this transformative moment of the micro having the potential to beat the macro but it goes beyond just the brick and mortar experience that's just one part of the equation a lot of buying decisions in banking are being made before someone walks into a a physical branch if they walk into a branch at all. But I think it's this advisory piece, this education piece to me. And I'll, I'll even go a step further. Coaching too has a unique opportunity within financial services because of the, the inherent complexities around money, whether that be on the retail side or on the, uh, the business or the commercial side. Money is inherently complex. And from a from a neurological perspective, that increases cognitive load exponentially. And just simply having a conversation, I want to come back to the point that you said: people don't know the right questions mm-hmm. to ask in the first place. And, and 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 I think this is where you're thinking and your book comes back into play because a lot of financial brands they think about upselling, upselling mm-hmm. the next best product, yeah. but but you say no, Mm-mm. upsolution is the opportunity. So I'm curious, can can we dive deeper into the opportunities to what I frame as putting the transformation of people beyond the commoditized transaction of dollars and cents? What does it mean to up solution?
2: Perfect. I, I think let's start with, because that's what people, you're exactly right, upselling. Up solutions are the polar opposite. It's mm-hmm. 180 degrees, polar opposite. Upselling is, would you like fries with that? How yeah. can I... You know, you're buying something for me. How can I get more out of you?
1: It's transactional.
2: Transactional. Up Solutions is how can I create value that you leave with exactly what you need that you may not even know you need. Right. Right. It's 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 personal. It's relationship. And um, I'll give you a banking example because this was this was this entrepreneur who owned this entrepreneurial focused bank. And and I, I think going back to your good good, or good questions, I think for, in, in my opinion in the banking industry, I think a good question is. Who's your market and what do they need to be successful? Because you're spot on that you know if you handle the finances if you if the lifeblood of their business so that they have the confidence to grow, they know where to invest, they know how they're doing. Yes right So if I'm a bank and I'm targeting my you know local business owners, what can I do to help them be more successful? And 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 then how do I position that right? Right. And here's right. here's an example. So this guy he owns his bank. They're marketer entrepreneurs, and every month a bank employee, a team member, would be calling each of their customers, their their business customers, and pulling data. Mm. Right. They had this whole what was the data they needed to pull every month to do what they did, and somewhere along the way he had this this you know this brilliant idea. It was all captured. The team members in the bank were capturing it in an Excel spreadsheet. Right. So instead, they packaged the Excel spreadsheet, embedded the formulas, and sold it to their customers. Their customers were ecstatic. This was this whole tool that now they actually got to see transparently how they were doing, you know, helping businesses. One thing, helping businesses figure out what are the dashboard metrics they have to stay on top of right oh
3: my gosh
2: so so this bank generated $75,000 of extra revenue that year increased the results and satisfaction of their customers and they reduced the the team members it used to take the team an hour per per customer per business customer right. to pull that data and analyze it instead they just got a report from an excel spreadsheet because they sold it as a tool Digital
0: growth is a journey from good to great. But sometimes this journey can feel confusing, frustrating, and overwhelming. The good news is you don't have to take this journey alone. Because now you can join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs who are all learning, collaborating, and growing together. Visit digitalgrowth.com slash insider to learn more about how you can join the digital growth insider community to maximize your future digital growth potential. Now back to the show.
1: That's this idea of value creation. I can think of Keith Costello and Corey LeBlanc who have started a new community bank that is digital first called mm. Locality out of the South Florida market area. And it really is to help do some, like, how am I doing comparatively? Cause we all want to know that, that idea of just benchmarking. This is a fantastic example here. I want to come back to a point you mentioned before too, like with, with your own personal origin story, working at this books bookstore because, and we touched on this previously, Internal teams, Um, internal teams are critical to create a positive external experience. The front stage is only going to be as strong as the backstage. And when I think about this, I, I wrote Baking on Digital Growth, came out April of 2020. April, May of 2020, but I got it wrong. I said it was a formulaic approach to growth. DX plus HX equals growth. A, d- a, po- a positive digital experience plus a positive human experience will lead to future growth. But now, reflecting back on the pandemic, I missed it. it we have to rewrite it. EX plus HX multiplied by DX, that is what will equal growth going forward because a positive employee experience when added to a positive human experience can be multiplied by a positive digital experience. So it starts internal. What role... Do internal teams play? And how might financial brands be able to gain buy-in and support? Because this is a completely different way of thinking. It's a completely different way of operating. And sometimes there's going to be resistance because change is hard and change is painful. And don't move my cheese, please.
2: And... Well, yes, change is hard, and you'll start to see which of the team members actually want to go to the next level, right. which don't, because that also happens. Yes. Right? So let's see, where do, where do I want to start diving into that? First of all, I would say I think I like to talk about your team are the most important profit driver you have in your
3: business. Yes.
2: Right? If you're anything beyond a solo entrepreneur, your team are the most important profit driver in the business and they need to be set up to to win. They need to know what is it they're doing? How do they create impact and value? Where is their purpose? Mm. Right? That they get to feel go home feeling like they're heroes because they've made a, you know someone's day, right. they're they make difference. So they need to know what the business really is, not what you sell. Yes. They they need to know the standards, how how to win at their role, right? If they don't, they're guessing. Mm-hmm. And most of the time guessing wrong, even though they're trying to get win and guess right. There has to be a good communication structure, even just a minimum 20, 30 minute huddle once a week. Yes. So that they, they are in touch and they're in the loop. And then they have to have regular feedback to know are they, how are they doing? Mm-hmm. Right. So, so all of those pieces need to be part of, you know, setting the team up to win. It, it's almost like, you know, an entrepreneur's role is yes, it's setting the purpose and yes, their passion into a business platform that they get to have an impact in their marketplace and community, you know, but it's also making sure you've created an environment for your team to be, you know, purposeful, um, love what they do, know what they do, how it matters, um, understand the impact they're having. And when you create a culture like that, you, it's like you turn on something that is a profit driver. It's just, you know, increasing customer metrics, retention metrics, team and customer referral metrics. Yes. This is it.
1: Yeah, you you you've mentioned this idea of entrepreneur a few times and an entrepreneurial banker. You mentioned Georgia. I could think of of David over at Sunrise Banks, who's now chairing up the Global Alliance for Banking on Values. Purpose is critical in this. What about for a, a maybe they're a credit union, maybe they are a community bank? Entrepreneurship might not be the natural default, but maybe there's some entrepreneurship that we could facilitate bubble up some of that to the top, what might be ways to facilitate that thinking? Because I I see when it comes to banking, particularly when looking at Colby profiles, mm-hmm. it is the polar opposite of what we would see with a, a natural entrepreneur. A natural entrepreneur is going to be initiating quick start where your typical banker profile is going to be initiating fact finder maybe initiating follow through, resistance on the quick start. And that does create some tension and conflict when it comes to trying new things, risk, risk aversion, growth. How might you address some of that internally when it comes to like working against someone's natural operating profile to maybe they're not a natural entrepreneur, but maybe there are entrepreneurs internally who have that how can we give them a platform to facilitate positive transformation?
2: Yeah, that's, it's a great question and a good, and important, an important point. So, you know, the definition of an entrepreneur is someone who may not own the business, but have has a business owner mindset, but like yes. they have an entrepreneurial mindset, which means they're focused on outcomes and results, right? They're not focused on tasks. They're very consciously aware of how are they doing what they're responsible for that they're creating outcomes. Yes. And, and really, I think this is going to be one of the key mindsets for any business, mm. the entrepreneur or entrepreneurs, leaders, front facing team members, you know, in banking, you always think of the teller. Right. But is that teller? Do it just processing the transaction saying, hi, and how was your week? Or is that teller, you know, saying, I noticed this and you tend to do, you know, you tend to do these type of transactions. And did you know that we can do this? Would you be interested in sitting down with somebody? Yes. Right. So they're paying attention to the person in front of them and what do they need and how can you be a problem solver? I, I think the key piece with this is each person on your team in their role, what's their talent? What's what's the front facing like? How do they interact? And how can they be a problem solver in their role with who they interact with?
1: That's a great point because um, it's not about being an entrepreneur or an entrepreneur. It's literally about being a problem solver and a critical thinker who can look at a situation uniquely, and then that's where... In financial services, we have all of this data at our disposal and then come back and make proactive recommendations to say, hey, this is where you're at. This is where you could go. How does that make you feel? And really begin to visualize that future creation collaboratively with an account holder or a prospective account holder. I want to shift gears and and Patty, this has been such a fun conversation I want to shift gears for a, a bit because you wrote an article to start off 2022, where you predicted that this is going to be the year of small giants. And I, it made, it gave me a lot of hope, particularly working within financial services, working with credit unions, working with community banks, regional banks. what, What do you mean by this, this idea of this is going to be the year of small giants?
2: Mm. Well, so first of all, I'm building on Bo Birmingham's book, Small Giants, and it's a great read. These are companies that want to be excellent, not necessarily big. They're not, they didn't launch a business to go through an IPO. They launched a business because they love what it is. They love the people they work with and they want to be the best they can be. So small giants tend to be you know the go-to business in their industry in a community that they're very integrated in the community. They're very uh, experience and value orientated, mm. right? So I think I really think this is the year for small giants because again I think independently owned businesses are the cornerstone in their community and they're the ones that are problem solving and connected in their community. And our demand, our needs have changed. So how are they out there? Delivering them, but they have to think that's a pivotal piece. We said this at the beginning of our conversation. If you have a brick and mortar store, you can no longer open your door and wait for people to come in. Right. Who are your customers? What do they need today? How are you reaching them? How are you creating value? What more do they need? And, you know, so, and being innovative on what technology can you harness you know how have things changed and and uh, it, it, I think small giants for me are business owners and teams that are very passion driven, community focused and outcomes based. <gasps>
1: I, I want to stay on this idea of community because it, to me, I, I've, I've talked a lot about community. I've written a lot about community. I coach a lot about community, community development, not from a traditional sense because community goes beyond the physical boundaries. Now community comes back to values. It comes back to purpose. It comes back. And we're seeing that like aspiration financials, building a, a a community brand around this idea of, you know, environmentalism, saving the planet and they have product positioning and it all speaks to that you in your article, referenced a, a brand called Farm to Paw. And I love this. You know, what what has Farm to Paw done to be a small giant in their community? Because they really have differentiated themselves beyond commoditization. What's the story there? Uh
2: so farm to paw, first of all, fabulous um a, a local entrepreneur. Fabulous branding. I mean, the branding is exceptional. The store appearance, the team engagement, the setup, the setup to win. But you know, it started off with a boutique pet food store, right? And and mostly, you know, it's it's in Canada, mostly Canadian products. They, a lot of raw. It, it's only healthy stuff. The owner is actually a canine nutritionist, so they carry raw, dehydrated, and some kibble, uh-huh. right? Trying to meet the needs of their community. But they've. It's fun. You know, it's fun and and back to customers don't know what they don't know, they don't even know the questions to ask. The number of times that the team have helped me make a decision that I feel like I'm having a better Im- impact on my animals, you know, but they're not they're not out there trying to be a pet food store for everyone who owns an animal. They are the go-to destination for people that their animals are part of their family. Yes right so that they're they're passionate about the health and the outcome and all of that and so they, you know they've got these great branded bags everyone leaves with these purple bags so I, I do all my grocery shopping with farm to paw bags you know
1: <laughs> yeah you're a, you're uh, a, you're a walking billboard and I think what's interesting is like when I'm looking at farm to paw's positioning, it says and this is on their website farm to paw is actively building a community of pet lovers that only want the best health solutions for their pets and I've spoken about this there there is a niche banking opportunity for pet lovers like there could be so much branding so much positioning so much product development that would go back into this idea of a niche market and this is just one of really i would say hundreds if not thousands of niche examples because as seth godin wrote in his book back in i think 2011 we are all weird uh and it was the it was the end it was the myth of mass and like this idea of mass like we're now coming back to the micro is going to beat The macro Patty, this has been a great conversation. I appreciate the knowledge that you have shared that you have transferred with with our dear listeners. There's a lot of great insight and takeaways. But before we wrap up, what is the best way that someone can reach out and say hello to you to continue the conversation to pick up your book? And I think you even have a couple of special resources just for them.
2: Yes, please. So um, the easiest way to uh, get access is pattymara.com, P-A-T-T-I-M-A-R-A.com. You know, there are all the links to social media platforms and please do connect. Um, and then what you were saying um, is that we've, if you go to pattymara.com forward slash banking on digital growth, then there's a special uh, resource page. There's a link to find out where you can buy the book. Um, but I've created a touchpoint scorecard, which is a really powerful tool to look at different parts of your business from your customer's perspective, and I'd recommend doing it with team members because you'll get have interesting insight. Developing that skill set, yes. And there's even a short training video on on how to use this tool. Choose the one that's most applicable for your business and, and how to use it. Um, so that's there's some resources there. There's a contact page if you want to connect with me through social media. So that's the easiest way.
1: Get the book, take the quiz, the assessment connect with Patty. Patty, what's the best, what's that URL again for the dear listener?
2: pattymera.com forward slash banking on digital growth.
1: There it is. Thank you, Patty. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of banking on digital growth. This has been a lot of fun today.
2: Thank you, James Robert. A pleasure
1: as always. And until next time, be well, do good and make your bed.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. To get even more practical and proven insights along with coaching and guidance, visit digitalgrowth.com slash insider to join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs. Until next time, be well and do good.